Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. All right. Well, good morning, Thrive. 1030. How you doing? Good, good. Hey, do me a favor. Let's just welcome everyone watching online today. Come on. Everybody watching online, thank you for joining us. Man, it's such a good day to be in church today and to be here. Um, Powerful, powerful 9 a.m. And I just think God's going to continue it this service, this morning. And do me a favor. If you have your cell phone right now, I want you to do me a favor. We're going to do it a little different, but almost the same. I want you to, if you're on Facebook, you're on Instagram, go to your Facebook, go to your Instagram. It's okay. You can do that in church real fast. And in a few weeks, we got our Love Our City Fall Festival coming up. How many are excited for that? Awesome, awesome event. If you don't know what it is, it's pretty much a free carnival we put on during the fall time to just love our city. Last year, it was so cool, we like stopped traffic on the freeway. It was a lot of fun. It was like just so many people, a thousand plus people came out, just incredible event. And I believe that God's gonna even bring more people. So if you go on, your, on Facebook or on Instagram, Find that video, and if you can share it for us, that would be great today. You could just share it right now because you never know. Listen, you never know who wants to be invited, who is looking for an invite. You never know who's looking for a church. And how many know that some people might not show up on a Sunday, but they'll show up for free food and candy and stuff? Like, right? Like, it's America. Apparently, we need to get something free before we, like, try Jesus. I get it. It's okay. And so, um, but it's a great opportunity, and it's a lot of fun. And then we still have uh, places to serve. Pastor Matt talked about that. And so you can sign up on the website to serve. But I just just wanted to highlight that because I believe that we are getting ready to go into a fall that I believe God's getting us ready to increase our capacity. I really do. And, and I believe that we can't just work, work on it on Sundays or here in the building, but we also have to create opportunities and moments for people to experience Jesus. Whether that's a, an event like a fall festival, whether that's inviting them to a small group, whether that's inviting them to Sunday, whether that's you bringing Jesus to them, praying for them at your workplace, uh, talking about Jesus where you are, you know, paying for someone's gas. Come on, that's real gospel right there. Because gas is like, an arm and a leg, and then some. I just believe God has called this church to influence our region with the real love of Jesus Christ. The gospel still works today. Come on now. The gospel still works today. And the reason why people don't know it is because we sometimes don't show them that it is real. And so I think this is a great reason. And there's going to be other things as well in the fall. A great excuse, reason, opportunity for us to love our city well. Does that sound good? Cool. Do me a favor. Stand on your feet. Come on. Let's jump into the word today. And I'm excited. I'm ready to preach. I'm talking real fast. <laughs> I've never laughed like that in my life. (laughs) Whatever. Oh, man. Yeah, I was talking with uh, Pastor Juan before we... uh before we step down, if you don't know Pastor Juan, Pastor Juan's our worship pastor. He's the guy that was like looking like Elvis up here. And uh, he was just, he, he grabbed me afterward. He says, bro, and this is how we talk. He was like, bro, it's heavy today. And I was like, yeah, because I didn't feel it. He goes, no, bro, it's heavy today. And, and I, I just get a sense that for those that are in the room or even watching online, that, that God's just going to do something real special. He's been, he's been, but 
So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my very best. Normally when I talk fast, it's because I'm trying to get out of the way so God can do what he wants to do, okay? And so let's go ahead and read the Bible. Let's go ahead and go into Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And we're on our series through the book of Philippians called It's Not an Accident. And uh, I just believe that it's just been a powerful series. And, and we're just going to continue right where we left off last week. It says this in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. It's on the screen. And you can go ahead and follow along. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Come on, somebody. I love that. Love that God's at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And verse 7 is where we're going to camp out today. And the peace of God. Everybody say peace. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, help us today to jump into what you have to say to, to us. Let our minds and our hearts be open to what you're saying. And we just believe wholeheartedly that, God, you would have your way. We would get out of the way, and you would have your way in this room. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. And so today... What I want to share about, which I believe is so essential, not just to understanding and following Jesus, but essential to the topic of gospel teaching and, and proclamation and declaring who God is and understanding the fullness of Jesus and our ability to follow Jesus is this concept which Paul uh, beautifully encapsulates, which is the peace of God. And I, and I love what Paul talks about in, first, in Philippians chapter 4. He explains throughout the book of Philippians, he, he, he's going through some deep stuff, intense stuff, thorough stuff. And then he's starting to unwind in his writing and, he, and he's starting to close out the book. And, and he starts the chapter, he starts the closing out of the book of Philippians to this church who is going through um, tension in leadership, who is going through persecution in their city, which is, they're, they're just going through all sorts of things. Have you ever been in a season in your life where it feels like everything's going wrong? And you ever feel like there's a season in your life where it just feels like everything is out of whack and out of place? And so Paul has the audacity to say to a Philippian church who feels in that exact same season that, hey, everyone, just so you know, God is at hand. The peace of God is with you, and it will surpass everything that you can comprehend. Why? Because it's real, and it will sustain you till the very end. And, and, and I think this is interesting. Paul doesn't talk about how it's the power of God. Paul isn't talking about how it's the presence of God. God. Paul isn't talking about how it's the joy of God. No, Paul defines it as the peace of God. And I, I'm, I'm firmly a believer in this, that now more than ever in today's society, we need the peace of God like never before. In a, po a post-COVID reality, in a season where uh, mental health, is at all, mental unhealthiness, let me describe it as that, is at an all-time high, um, where we have become addicted as a culture to medications to succumb the pain in our life. I'm not saying all medicine is bad, but you know what I'm talking about. Where we have allowed uh, addiction and activity and recreation and fun, which most of the time fun means sin, let's be honest. Um, fun to 
water down, if not dilute and cover up the feelings of our life, yet in all reality, it still feels like everything isn't normal. It hurts me because the solution what we have to understand is the solution. This is what we believe as people who would follow Jesus, who would follow the way. The solution, the solution to an individual who would be dealing with the anxiety and, and, and tension and brokenness and turmoil of their life is the gospel. Why? Because the gospel, the peace of God, which would begin to come into an individual's life when they begin to know Jesus, is the solution. And so if there's anything I want to say today, the main topic of the conversation, it's this, is that there is an answer to the chaos. I came to tell someone some good news today. That you might be in a season of your life, man, I feel like preaching. You might be in a season of your life where it feels like the storm is great. You might be in a season in your life where it feels like nothing is going right. You might be in a season of your life where it feels like nothing is landing the way it's supposed to be landing. It might feel like the waves and waves of life and circumstances and experience are at an all-time high. It might feel like the chaos is overbearing and overwhelming, but I came to tell someone today, online or in the room, that there's good news, that there's this thing at, named, called peace and it comes from a person and his name is Jesus and all you have to do is trust him and when we put our trust and hope and faith in him the peace of God which surpasses our understanding that's what Paul says meaning that there's this thing called the peace of God which is greater than what we feel or what we sense will begin to clear our hearts and our minds and make us whole again And I don't know about you, but I used to live my life in chaos. My life was chaos. And, and some of you, you still live your life in chaos. And that's okay, we're gonna pray for you. But man, I have learned the beauty of simplicity. And I, and I, have, I have learned that it's only in Jesus that I find rest for my soul. It's only in Jesus that I find wholeness and completeness. And I think what we have to be careful of is that we cannot chase a feeling. And so when we talk about the peace of God, I think oftentimes we talk about peace. And, and notice this, it doesn't say peace from God, it's the peace of God. And why is that important? Because I think oftentimes in Christianity, we, we, we go after a spiritual eye or a feeling instead of a person. And the problem is, is we then tend to live our life based on feeling and based on how we feel versus who God is. And when we ever follow a feeling rather than the person of Jesus, we are following an idol versus who God actually really is. And idols will always fall short of what we really need. It won't work. It's something I would walk through when I, when I was a youth pastor. I'd walk with young people, and I remember, you ever have that moment where God just moves in your life, where, where you experience him, and you encounter him, and, you know, you're, you're on the altar, and you're, you're maybe weeping on the floor, and, you know, the, the boogers are everywhere. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. And then for the ladies, like the mascara, like you're like, why did I even wear mascara? I shouldn't have worn mascara today. And your mascara's all chwek. That's a Mexican word for a mess. 
because it's not real Spanish. And, and, and you, you, are, you looking all crazy. And, 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 and this is what begins to happen. Like I, I would talk with young people in particular, but I think this happens with everyone. Uh, I would talk with young people in particular and, and then they would come up to me and they'd be like, Pastor Chris, I don't wanna come to church anymore. And I'd be like, why? And they're like, because I don't feel God anymore. And the problem is, is they base their whole Christian experience off of feeling rather than a person. But we don't follow feelings. That's why it's the peace of God, not the peace, not peace from God. And why is that important? Because the only way I receive peace is not by asking, but it's also by knowing. Come on, that's good. And we have to come into the reality where God's heart for us is not for just to give us or bless us, but for us to know him. Which brings me to my first point, which is this. Peace is a person, not just a feeling. The Bible talks about this in Isaiah, that Jesus in Isaiah chapter 9, he is known, right? The prophecy of Jesus coming into the earth before he was even born, hundreds of years before he was born. Isaiah says, and he will be the prince of peace. Jesus' divinity and his authority and his kingship is connected not to power or to glory or to fame, but it's connected to the idea of peace. And I think this is what, this is what the world's looking for in a lot of ways. I love what Pastor Mark Sayer says. He's a pastor out in Australia, and he says, maybe the world and even ourselves are looking for a non-anxious presence. Maybe the reason why, I'm just, I'm just gonna spitball. I'm not blaming anyone. I'm not putting anyone on blast, although if God convicts you, that's cool. All right, whatever. Um, maybe the reason why it has been really hard for the Church of America to invite people who don't know Jesus into the knowledge of Jesus is because when the world looks at the church, we look like them just with crosses on our necklaces. If my life does not look different than their life, but yet we're going through the same storm, then why would I want, why would that person want what I have? But if my life, responds different and sounds different and looks different. I'm not going to the bottle. I'm not going back to my addiction. I'm not going back to my shame. I'm, I'm calm even though I'm not calm. I'm together even though I'm not together. I'm, I'm broken, but yet I'm not broken. And they look at us and they're like, what's so different about you? Maybe that's the reason why. Because they're not seeing that and, and maybe... That has to do with us, not because we're just messed up, but because we have for so long decided to pursue a feeling of God instead of Jesus himself. And the truth of the matter is, is if you and I want to experience and have and be in the peace of God, then we have to know the God that is peace. And when we begin to know the Jesus that is peace, he's able to get us through any storm. He's able to get us through any situation. He's able, he's able to sustain us through any circumstance. This is what Paul is saying to the Philippian church. Hey, hey, Philippi, listen. Like, imagine if he's saying it to Lathrop. Hey, Lathrop, listen, there's gonna be some things. I don't know if you know this, but it might get worse. Gas prices might go higher. I'm praying no, but I'm just saying, right? It might get worse, but that's okay because there's gonna be a peace inside of you that will surpass understanding. 
What is Paul saying? The peace that's in here won't make sense up here, but it doesn't need to make up sense up here because the thing that's in you is more real than the thing that you're dealing with in here and the thing that's surrounding you around here. And as long as you can trust me and follow Jesus, Paul would say, then that will sustain you. It will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus because it's about a person. Christianity is about a person. It's about our walk and our life with Jesus. And then it's about people, God's people, who are following the person. And not a feeling or a vibe. Because that will never bring you any freedom. That will never bring you any healing. And so what we have to do is begin to break the lie that feel, that peace. I, I think when we talk about peace and we think of peace, just when it comes to my mind, I just think of like people wanting to be at the beach a good vacation, someone just hanging out. But no, we have to understand this, that the way the Bible defines peace is that, yes, there's a peace that God releases, but it's only in knowing him. And it will be greater than anything that would try to stop it. It surpasses all understanding. It's, it's okay that it's almost illogical. Because that's what they'll do. That's what, that's what they'll tell you. They'll, they'll tell you why, are you, why are you so calm? Why are you so chill? Like, don't you know we're all going to get fired? And you're like, that's okay. God's got me. Well, we're going to go party it up because we got to go make our feelings numb because that's how humans deal with our feelings and deal with our drama and deal with our mess is we numb ourselves. And what the numbing does is just produce more pain and hurt where in following Jesus, no, I don't need to do all that because I know God's got me. And if God's closing the whole company, I'm going to get fired. God's just going to give me another job. It's a peace that surpasses understanding. I'm just using that as one example. It's because I know someone you don't know, friend. <laughs> Come on. Right? It's not what you know sometimes. It's who you know. I know someone you don't know. I know someone that's got some, that are do, that's some doing some things behind the scenes. I know someone that's working on my behalf. I know someone who's got my back even when I feel like I don't got my own back. I know someone who's moving things and shifting things. Why? Because his intention and his heart for me is good because he loves me. And so I can come into the reality of peace because I know the God of peace. And it's greater than the circumstance I'm dealing with today. And so let's just break it down a little bit more. Let me help just define peace a little bit, which I think um, will be good, and just kind of explain on biblical terms what peace is. So the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. Everybody say shalom. Shalom. And I think everyone's kind of heard that, right? I just imagine someone just going up to someone and being like, shalom. You know what I'm saying? Like, right? All right, whatever. Bad joke. And, um, but but here, here's the interesting thing, right? Shalom in Hebrew, and then eren in Greek. But, but notice the definitions, which I think is really important to understand, is shalom means wholeness, completeness, and tranquility. So when you read Isaiah 9, for example, it's not that Jesus is the prince of a feeling. It's that Jesus is the prince of wholeness, completeness, and tranquility. His identity as Messiah is connected to being completely in order, completely whole, completely complete, and not in a functionality of humanic chaos. And 
how many of us understand more than ever that we need a God that's not like us? Because if we worship a God that is like us, nothing will ever change or heal or be set free because we're a mess. Our stuff's a mess. We need something higher and something greater. Thank God his ways are not my ways. Thank God that Jesus is greater than me. Wholeheartedly, I believe that. And this is what it says, that peace definition in Hebrew is wholeness, completeness, and tranquility. Notice that in Greek, it's oneness, quietness, and rest. So what Paul would be saying is that the oneness, quietness, and rest from God will be above all your understanding and will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Why is that important? Because when you look at the definitions of peace, it has nothing to do, it rarely does it have to do with the idea of a feeling that you need to survive. Rather, what it has to do is it has to do with this idea that God wants you whole and God wants you well. And you and I need to come into this understanding that the shalom of God, the shalom of God, is the peace of God, right? The shalom of God, the peace of God, is the completeness and wholeness of God. And so here's an interesting definition, and Pastor Jason actually talked about this about a year and a half ago. I love this passage. It was, it was a little part in his message, and I was like, oh my gosh, Pastor Jason, that was so fire. I almost threw my shoe at him. Like, it was so good. <laughs> For real. In Greek, anxiety, the Hebrew word for anxiety or anxious, and Paul uses it twice in Philippians, right? He says in this earlier verse, do not be anxious about anything, right? That's what Paul says. And then earlier, it talks about anxiety, that you would not be anxious. It means that it's, it's rooted in this idea and this definition of your life being in pieces. Anxiety means your life being in pieces. But peace means your life coming together and being whole. And why is that so powerful? Because it's beyond feeling what God wants to do in your life and in my life is take our pieces, our broken pieces, our pieces of doubt, our pieces of fear, our pieces of sin, our pieces of shame, our pieces of abuse, all the brokenness in our life, put it back together and make something new out of it. It's kind of like a puzzle. I think that's the best way to describe it. I don't know if anybody's into puzzles. I'm kind of into puzzles, but not really. But I think our heart is like a puzzle. And oftentimes what happens in our life is in, in our heart, it, when people lie to us and steal from us or cheat us or, or manipulate us or abuse us, what begins to happen is they're taking away puzzle pieces. And I think this is sometimes the reason why we don't want to go to God is because we think that if we were to go to God in our brokenness and our shame and our mess, we think he would be mad at us because we're not whole. But the reality, of this, the reality of it is this, is that God's the only one that can take my shattered, messed up, missing pieces and make something beautiful and new out of it. And so the peace of God is not a feeling of like a good vibe, right? Like I just think that's the culture we live in. Good vibes only, bro. Like no, good vibes don't break chains, right? Good vibes don't end addiction. Good vibes don't heal the sick. Good vibes don't transform the heart. What does is Jesus and the gospel. And part of the gospel is wholeness. It's the peace of God. The wholeness of God. The completeness of God. The oneness of God. 
the quietness of God, and the ability for humans to rest, not in our ability, but in God's ability to do what he does in us. We need this. Now more than ever, we need this. A church needs this. Society needs this. We need the peace of God that surpasses understanding. We need the completeness and wholeness of God. We absolutely do. We absolutely do, because he's the only one that will put the pieces back together. I, I don't know about you, but like I'm OCD. So even when I'm playing with puzzles, like I remember one time Zadok was like three and we were playing his puzzle and it wasn't a big puzzle. It was like 40, 50 pieces. And I don't know about you, but if you ever try to build a puzzle and you, there's a missing piece, I freaked out. My mind was, Pfft. I was like, Zadok, where's the puzzle piece? And Zadok was like, I don't know, dad. And I'm like, bro, where's the puzzle piece? He's like, I don't know. Dad's like, screw it. And I just flipped the puzzle over and I walked away. Because I was like, there's no point. <laughs> My poor son. That's how I am. Everything's got to be orderly and everything's got to be perfect. And, 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 that, and, I'm, and God's working on me on that, okay? I'm, I'm working on it. But um, I think that's how we function in our life when we're not whole. We're all anxious and there's tension and there's unhealthiness. And can I tell you the thing that breaks my heart as a pastor, one of the things that breaks my heart as a pastor more than anything else is people who go to church, serve in church maybe, are in a small group maybe, and I think all those things are great, right? We preach about those things all the time. They can be in a small group, they can serve, they can be in Bible studies, they can give, they can go on missions trips, but they're still unhealthy and they're still broken because they have not allowed Jesus to make them whole. They only give Jesus half the puzzle instead of all of it. They only are giving Jesus. And the way God works, I I don't know if you know this. I didn't share this first service, but I think this is important to understand. Is God will take your puzzle piece of your heart, the pieces of your heart, and he will make something new. But you got to give him all the pieces, even the pieces you don't want to give him. Even the pieces that were tainted and messed up, the pieces that were bloody, the pieces that were tore up, the pieces that were scraped off, the pieces. I don't know if you've ever had kids and they start ripping things off of puzzle pieces. And I'm like, we're never going to solve this because now things are missing. And God's like, I'll make something new, but I got to get all of the thing that you need to make me make something new. I need to get all of the pieces. Chris, I know they're ugly. I know they're messed up. I know they're jacked up. I know there's abuse in there. I know there's trauma in there. I know there's lies in there. But, but the only way you're going to experience wholeness in me is you got to surrender all your pieces to me. And I'll make you one again. That's what God promises. I will make you whole again. And I'm going to use preachers, and I'm going to use the church, and I'm going to use God's people, but I'm gonna, they're going to be part of the equation, but the, the first part of the equation is I'm going to do it. The only way you'd be made whole, the only way you'll be made complete, the only way that I'll make in you a new heart is you got to trust me and give me your life. And let, let me show you what my peace looks like. See, I'm not... I think it's beautiful that God is not interested in just making me feel better. God is interested in making me new. I've been around, I grew up in addict culture. I've been around people who try to make addicts feel better instead of actually help them walk through their addiction. And there is no freedom in making people feel better. But there is freedom when 
you begin to get to the root of the problem. And oftentimes for us as people who follow Jesus, five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, right? You were saved whenever, but yet you're still in a place of brokenness. And I'm not talking broken before the Lord. Like don't over-spiritualize it and start hearing what I'm not saying. Because that's what us Christians do. No, I'm talking about you know your stuff. And you know that you haven't given things to you. You're still struggling with unforgiveness. You're still struggling with hurt. You're still struggling with betrayal. You can't trust nobody. You can't do this. You can't do that. And next thing you know, you know what you're doing? You're living an incomplete life. God still loves you. He cares about you. He's for you. But there's something greater, and it's in Jesus. There's something greater. There's a oneness and a completeness and a wholeness in him. And the only way you're ever going to experience that is you got to connect with God in that way and let him begin to heal the brokenness of your life. Shalom and Irene, the wholeness and oneness of God. And so let me just kind of break this down a little bit more because I think this will be helpful. And so let me help with this. This is just kind of something that um, I read about and I thought it's really particularly good um, to break down the conversation, uh, this is who we are, the elements of who we are. So we're going to talk about pieces. Let me just give you five major pieces. And so first off, everyone is spiritual, okay? Everyone is spiritual. Everyone is intellectual. Everyone is emotional. Everyone is social, and everyone is physical, all right? And this is just kind of a good summary of what makes us us. And I think oftentimes in church, we only talk about spiritual. We don't talk about the other things, and that's super unhealthy. We got to stop doing that. So we're going to talk about all of it. So number one, everyone's spiritual. Now, what do I mean by that? Everyone has a spirit or it's either awake or it's dormant. It's, it's, it might be asleep. It might be dead. That's what the Bible says. But everyone has a spirit. And our spirit is how we connect to God. It's like when we're in worship. You ever like in worship and God's just moving and you're feeling something. And you're like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. That's your spirit. All right? That's your spirit. God is moving. You are connecting with God. And, and I don't know if you also know this. The only way you connect with God in a real way, is through your spirit. That's why the spiritual part of your life is so important. However, it's not just the spiritual part of who you are, right? Your spirit is not the only thing about who you are. You're also an intellectual. I joked first service that I said most people are intellectuals. I had four brothers. I always thought they were dumb. I'm just going to be honest. Anybody has siblings understands. But, but right, we're intellectual. We, we have a mind, and we process, and we think, and we, we articulate, and we have thoughts, right? And so there's, there's, there's a mental part of who we are. There's the mind. Number three is emotional, right? We have emotions. Now, some of us are very emotional. I'm that guy. You wouldn't think, but I am. Very emotional. I'm the worst person to give gifts to because I just, it's on my face if the gift was awesome or not. It's like, just saying. We keep it real, I guess. Everyone's like, oh, I'm not giving him a gift for Pastor Appreciation Month now. <laughs> That's why I married my wife. Because uh, when I was younger, when we were dating, the thing that probably attracted to me to her probably more than anything, to be honest, and I was just talking about this yesterday with some friends of ours, is that she is not emotional. Now she is a little bit because she has kids. But it took like babies. But she's actually not emotional. She's like this. Like she just, she's. Like with anything. I mean, she smiles. She's cute. But she just, the smile, I don't even know if it means the smile. I'm just going to be honest. Like, no, no, it does. It does, cutie. She's in the room right now too, so that's cute. Um, I'll take her on to dinner later tonight. I owe her a big one. Okay. 
but, but, but she's not. She, and, and that was that, I, I needed that. I, I needed that. I needed someone that was a rock and consistent because I was like all over the place. And she's also the worst person to give gifts to because there's no emotion involved at all. And then two weeks later, I found out on Instagram, she loves the shoes I bought her. And I'm like, stop it. No, you don't. But we're emotional. Number four, we're social. Now, some of you are like, I'm not. Yes, you are. Whether you like it or not, you still get low-key offended when you don't get invited to Denny's, okay? Let's just be honest. And maybe you've been so hurt socially that you don't want to be social, but everyone has a social aspect. Everyone has relationships. I love what a guy named D. Martin says. He says, every, rela- every problem in this world is a relationship problem. So true. Every problem is a relationship problem, even with yourself. Let's be honest. If you have a problem with yourself, it's the relationship you have with yourself. If you have a problem with God, it's the relationship you have with God. If you have a problem with your spouse, it's the relationship you have with your spouse. Everyone's social. You have a social aspect to you. And then lastly, physical. You have a body. You have jobs. You have functionality. You, you work out. You don't work out. Things like that. And so here, here's why I, I break these things down, which I think is really important for us to understand. Is I think when we talk about peace and we share about peace and preachers preach about peace, we look at it from an emotional point of view. We think that we need a, our peace just emotionally. Because oftentimes, that's the thing that triggers us, and that kind of ends up becoming the, the, the steering part of our life is our emotion, which that's not healthy either. That's a different conversation for another day. But our emotions definitely do steer us left and right. And so when we read about the peace of God or we need a peace of God, the peace of God, we're thinking, man, that's God saying my emotions need peace. No, no, no. That's not what the Bible's saying. What the Bible's saying is that there is peace for your spirit. There is peace for your mind. There is peace for your emotions. There is peace for the social aspect of your life. And there is peace to the physicality of who you are because when God sees us he doesn't look at us just in individual aspects how we look at us he looks at us as a complete package as wholeness and his heart and intention is to make us whole again and so for some of us in the room I want to give you some good news because God, the peace of God, when you begin to experience the peace of God, when you begin to welcome the peace of God, when you begin to invite the peace of God, when you begin to have a relationship with the God of peace, when you go deeper with this relationship with the God of peace, you begin to see that your life, every aspect of your life begins to transform from the inside out. And there's good news today because if you're in this room and one of these areas in your life is chaotic, like I said in my first point, there is an answer, there is a solution to the chaos and his name is Jesus because he's the Prince of Peace. And so if you're in the room, God can absolutely bring you peace to your troubled spirit. Maybe you're in the room today and you have a troubled spirit, meaning your spirit is in tension and in turmoil and it's troubled. It's almost as if you're tossing and turning and you feel like you have nowhere to land. It's what the Bible says, how Peter describes it. You're like a reed tossed to and fro in the wind. You're like a stick that has no landing. You have no weight in you. You have no iron in you, meaning you have no foundation and you have no root. And it feels like when things go one way, you go one way. And then when things go another way, you go another way. And your life feels like you are in the middle 
of the chaos of your storm. Can I tell you that there is a solution to the problem and his name is Jesus and the peace of God that surpasses understanding can absolutely settle the troubled spirit in your life. I'm gonna continue. If your mind is fractured because of the trauma and the pain and the abuse of your life, if your mind has been in a place where it feels like it's in pieces and it's fractured and it's severed, can I tell you that it doesn't matter what the doctor says, it doesn't matter what psychologists might say, that there's still something greater and that's Jesus. Not saying psychologists are bad guys and therapists are bad guys. We need them because they help us as well. But what I'm saying as well is that there is something deeper that could begin to heal your mind and I believe that's Jesus and what he can do in your life. I have learned that with the gospel in one hand, and, and, and someone who can walk you through your mind intellectually, a professional like a therapist or a psychiatrist, man, God moves wonders in those things. But for those that are in the room and you feel like, man, I, I'm walking and my mind's not together, there's hope. That's what I'm saying today. There's hope. There's hope for your mind. You don't have to feel like the storm of your mind, right? And I got this image as I was actually getting ready for, to come up here for this service. It's like, I can't stop it. My mind, I just can't stop it. There's no stillness. It's like I'm, I'm always worrying and I'm always anxious. It's, right, it, it's in pieces. And, and I want to tell you something that Jesus can calm the storm. Oh, you're struggling with anxiety. It's a real thing. I'm not going to diminish it. I think churches that diminish mental health, it's, 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 it's disrespectful. But I also know that there's a solution more than just the drugs and medicine. There's something else, and it's a person, and his name is Jesus, and, and what Jesus can do in your life. I've seen it. Seen fractured minds come completely together. It's like what Jesus says, or what the Bible says in the Gospels when Jesus prayed for the man who was demonically possessed. And one of the things that happened once he got healed, once all those demons left his body, it says he began to be in sound mind again. That's what God can do. God can bring an individual back into sound mind again because he can make your mind whole. Number three, emotional. Maybe somebody in the room has experienced the chaos of your feelings. The chaos of your feelings. I, I, and that could be frustrating because it always, I, I'm so tired of my feelings dictating who I am. I'm so tired of my feelings deciding what I'm gonna do and what I'm not gonna do. I'm so tired of my feelings being the controlling factor of my life. And, it, and, it, and the problem is with that is because I can't trust my feelings because they're all over the place all the time, Pastor Chris. It feels like my feelings are always whirling around and, and they're not centered. Can I tell you that there's a solution and his name is Jesus. He could calm the storm. He could calm the storm. Socially, maybe you're in this place and you are experiencing relational turmoil. It's like every relationship you're in, there's drama. 
There's things going on with your spouse. There's things that are going on with your kids. Can I speak to the marriages in the room for a minute? Maybe you're in a season where it feels like you and your wife might not make it. Your spouse might not make it. And it feels like there's relational turmoil. I want to challenge you. I dare you to get in the face of God. For your spouse to get in the face of God. For you to get into the prayer room. To get here on devotion nights. To get in a small group just for Jesus and not to just make friends. And I challenge you, what will happen in your marriage when you put Jesus at the center of it again? What will happen to your kids when you put God back in the equation? What will happen at your work when you put God in the room, when you invite the presence of God? What will happen when you begin to prioritize the person of Jesus? All your social turmoils and tensions and relational dysfunctions begin to heal. Begin to heal. They will. And he might call you to do stuff like say sorry when you don't mean it and forgive when you don't want to, but it's part of the healing process. Why? Because the Prince of Peace is in the room. And then lastly, physical. There's peace to your bodies. We believe here that God still heals the sick, raises the dead, casts out demons. We believe that God does miracles. We don't believe that's just a biblical fairy tale that Jesus did when he was walking on the earth, but we believe that when we lay hands and when we pray, God hears us and in his timing, if he wants, he can do a miracle, that cancer can disappear, that diabetes can go, that, that diseases can be gone in the name of Jesus, that in Jesus' name, any sickness has no authority over the name of Jesus. We believe that physical healing, not just mental healing, is still alive today. The tension of your physicality not being in alignment to what God wants, God can heal it because he can still calm the storm. But even more than that, the idea that your life is going from one thing to the next and the busyness and the hurry, busyness and the hurry. I gotta do this and I gotta do that. I gotta prove myself and I gotta be this person. I gotta be that person. I gotta make this money. I gotta go to this job. I gotta do this, I gotta do that. God can slow it down and still your heart. Why? Because the winds and waves still obey him. The winds and waves still obey him. In Mark chapter 4, the Bible says that Jesus was in a boat with the disciples. There was a storm. And in the storm, they were freaking out. God, we're going to die. And you know what Jesus was doing? He was taking a nap. I love that because it gives me permission to take naps. Listen. God will sleep through the things you're freaking out about. Because what worries you doesn't worry him. God, God, God is not concerned with the storm you're going through because he knows he's in the boat with you and nothing's gonna happen. It's the peace of God, Jesus sleeping in the boat, that surpasses the intellect of the disciples and the understanding that the storm is gonna take them out while they're in the boat. It's a perfect articulation of that passage in Philippians, Mark chapter four, where Jesus is in the boat and he gets up because the disciples are freaking out and he says, winds and waves, stop. And the Bible says that the winds and waves, stop. And he says, oh, you of little faith. And he goes back and he takes them a nap, how gangster. And I'm telling someone this because today you might be in a season, like I said in the beginning, where it feels like you have storms in your life. 
And not just storms outside. You have storms in your physical life. You have storms in your social life. You have storms in your emotional life. You have storms in your intellectual part of your life. You have storms in the spirit of your life. But can I tell you that it doesn't matter how big the storm is, that the winds and the waves still listen to Jesus. The disciples fell into the line that the winds and waves were greater than the Jesus that made the winds and waves. And what you and I cannot do is allow the circumstances and situations and fear and doubt and anxiety and worry of today to dictate who we are anymore. Because what we have to understand that although Jesus might allow us to go through some storms, he's also sleeping in the boat with us at the same time. It's the peace of God that surpasses understanding. It's the peace of God that's greater than what we can imagine. It's the peace of God that silences the winds and waves of the chaos of our life. It's the peace of God that can heal all things. It's the peace of God that can make me whole again. It's the peace of God that takes my pieces and makes something new. It's the peace of God that will sustain me through the next storm and the next storm. It's the peace of God that I can trust in. It's the peace of God that's the anchor to my soul. It's the peace of God that I can lean on when I can't lean on anything else. It's the peace of God that will get me through when I feel like I can't get through. It's the peace of God that makes me whole when people begin to pick apart my life. It's the peace of God that heals me even when I felt like I was nothing to be healed. Can I tell you today that someone in the room needs to worship the God of peace because if you've been through it and he's got you through it, He's still going to continue to get you through it. Why? Because the winds and the waves still obey his name. Come on, stand to your feet with me today. Come on. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.